0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, I say another resource because we do have a steadily growing number of really killer resources that you should be checking out. In addition to the For the Church website, you can find it at ftc.co, our podcast game uh, continues to increase and get stronger. We have Preaching and Preachers, hosted by Midwestern's president, Dr. Jason K. Allen, uh, the City of God podcast, hosted by faculty member Owen Strand, and the Credo podcast with faculty member Matthew Barrett. And speaking of faculty members, we have today as our guests on the program, uh, Dr. Andreas Kostenberger and Dr. Margaret Kostenberger, both accomplished authors, theologians, and professors. Um, Andreas Kostenberger is a research professor of New Testament here at Midwestern Seminary and director of the Center for Biblical Studies. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm delighted to speak with them both about their new book, Equipping for Life, a Guide for New, Aspiring, and Struggling Parents. Dr. Costenberger, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Great to be with you, Jerry. so much. Thanks yes. for having us.
0: Um, why don't we start with this? You have four children. Why don't you share with us uh, their names, ages, um, somewhat their life stages?
2: All right. I'll, do, I'll start with that. Yeah, so four. We have four. Our oldest is Lauren, as she's living in New York City. Just recently got married, 25 years old, oh, wow. and she works for an ad agency there. Um, and then we have Tolly, is 23, who is uh, studying for nutrition. She wants to be a dietitian, so she's now um, doing a dietetic internship in in Florence, uh, South Carolina. And then we have uh, David, who's studying business and international studies, actually at NC State in North Carolina. And then we have Timothy, who is um, majoring in basketball. That's right.
0: He's quite a accomplished basketball player, is he not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He enjoys uh, it he a lot. He wants to play in college. Yeah.
2: So he's sixteen, and we we homeschool Timothy.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. So let's talk about the book. Um, there's a lot of parenting books out there, right? And um, why should I pick up Equipping for Life? What makes it different or fresh compared to uh, the alternatives on the bookshelves?
1: I think. Uh, one thing is that we uh, particularly have a heart for young parents. Uh, we find they're often uh, open to learn. They may not come from a from a home, you know, with, with Christian parents. And uh, at the same time, they're often at a loss exactly for what to do, even the roles of father and mother, and uh, they may not have a, you know, a very coherent vision of what parenting looks like, you know, five or ten years from now, they might be just caught up in the moment right. and, and and just changing diapers or, or just dealing with, with, with a toddler throwing a, a temper tantrum, and, and so we uh, we have a desire to provide a resource that is giving them a long-term vision for parenting and for the mission, mission of parenting, but also one that's deeply grounded and that's theologically sound, and, and that's, that's missionally oriented. In other words, that, that that conceives of parenting as equipping your children for their God-given mission in life.
0: That's right. So the the uniqueness really is that the overarching vision for parenting, sort of giving the big-picture long view, the eternal perspective mm-hmm. of of what it means, really almost as a um, – it's almost like, like vocational language perhaps in mm-hmm. discipleship. Type language.
2: Right. There's a lot of parenting books that are out there, many, many parenting books, so we don't presume to have the answer for everything, but we're trying to make a contribution. Yeah. And we believe that um, there probably isn't a book out there that really covers that larger overall perspective, the missional perspective, like you said.
0: That's good. So um, one of the first things I notice um, looking at the book is the statement, parenting isn't uh, just about children, which uh, seems a little startling at first because <laughs> to be a in parent involves children. So. Yep. What do you mean by that? And I'm assuming it ties into this larger vision, the God-centered vision for parenting. Why do you say parenting isn't just about children?
1: Well, I mean, you tell me when you think about parenting, isn't the first thing that pops into your head children, right? It it, (laughs) it is for me. Uh, But our concern is that if you go down that path, then parenting might likely be child-centered type of parenting that it's essentially focused on on making and keeping your child happy and and uh as christian parents i think we are rightly concerned that our children have good character they they turn out all right they uh, embrace the the christian faith for themselves uh but what we found is that as a very important first step parents ought to look themselves in the mirror and when you think about it of course parenting has parent in the very name but <laughs> it's 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 ironic that we i think often neglect the parent him or herself in the process of parenting so we encourage young parents whether uh you know new parents or 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 a couple uh, hoping to have children soon to ask themselves the kind of questions What kinds of persons are we uh, as parents? Are we people of character? Do we have solid Christian commitment? Are we well-equipped to be the kinds of parents God wants us to be? Do we even understand our role? What does it entail to be a a father and a mother? Uh, Something that maybe experienced parents have figured out for themselves. And so I think one of the special burden underlying our book is that, that we equip People like our own children, who are 16 to 25 right now, yeah. uh, when they become parents, to so rightly and biblically and theologically think about what it means to be a, a parent. Yeah. We mm-hmm. God intended it,
2: and so we've actually wrote this book with fear and trembling because we <laughs> know ourselves that we're imperfect and we've made plenty of mistakes. Mistakes, and so first off, we know of our need to give ourselves to God in service to Him overall for His glory, and then as part of this, to give ourselves. Uh, to God specifically as parents, uh, we've written Equipping for Life in order to equip, especially young parents, like Andreas was saying, um, to gain a sense of perspective and direction for what lies ahead in their parenting journey. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think the identity question is really important there as well. Just you know, if, if we're not rooted in Christ, if we're not seeing who we are in in, in the light of the gospel. Um, it's very easy to begin rooting our identity in how the parenting is going, or right. how our kids are, you know, be, even behaving and that sort of thing. All, all of which are important, um, you know, obviously. But to be rooting our identity in those things, or just even as a as a, uh, a successful parent, right? I mm-hmm. think sort of can detract from the overarching goal. Yeah, of, and
1: sometimes it's helpful to think of uh, a given vision for parenting, like the one we just laid out. You know, parenting the week. Uh, designed it in the way uh, God intends it, the way uh, our parenting brings glory to God through children who love and serve him, when we look at alternatives, you know, so in terms of when you think about, so what would be other uh, visions people have for parenting? In some cases, Christian visions, they may even almost be indistinguishable in Christian parenting books, you know. In the end, it often still boils down to really parenting for ourselves. Hmm. You know, so either so we we feel successful as parents, uh, our children are well-adjusted members of the society. You know, we're very concerned about them getting a good education, going to a good college, getting a good job, um, having a good-looking family, and, and so right. forth. But the question is, what's the what's the end of the road? That's you right. know, what is the ultimate purpose? for parenting. And that in our book, Equipping for Life, that's what we try to tackle in a way that, that, that taps into uh, scripture and into God's purpose for parenting.
0: So what would be some important facets then of God-centered parenting, right? So the alternative, what are some components of that? What does that look like?
1: Well, uh, in our book, and again, the, the book wasn't written in a day or even in a week or, <laughs> or months. You know, we we've reflected on pairing long and hard really for, you know, uh, really 20, 25 years. But but then specifically when it came time to cast the vision for how do you best uh, break down parenting in a way that that hopefully it's helpful for other couples to apply to their own uh, parenting as well. Uh, we designed this this model, if you will, with, of the three R's of parenting. Just like in school, you have the, you know, the three R's also sure. in, in, in parenting. Uh, uh, and those are realism, to be realistic about uh, the challenges that will come, the fact that we're, you know, parenting is done by sinners, on sinners. Uh, the fact that parenting is 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 a relationship it's it's, it's not just a, a task that you can check off on a to-do list it's 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 a complex often messy uh, relationship with our children and and what's worse uh, it's a moving target because they don't <laughs> they don't stand still you know they right. constantly uh, grow and develop and also the the third r that of responsibility the idea that that we need as parents to realize that we can't subcontract parenting to a, a coach or, or or set of teachers in in school or or even a a, a youth pastor. Uh, there's 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 nothing that can replace the role of the father and the mother in parenting. And so we call parents to be to take their responsibility as parents in their lives, uh, in the lives of their children, seriously. Sorry, right.
2: do you want to break that down a little bit, Andres? Yeah. I was going to um explain a little bit what the realism aspect of parenting involves. What we're saying is that um, it is tremendously helpful if you have a perspective of realism in relation to the people involved in the world we live in. So Andres mentioned the parent and the child in their flesh are sinful, right? So if we are aware of that, we're going to, or just, of course, we're somewhat aware of it, but somehow we tend to try to minimize that. We like to see our kids as perfect or, you know, present them well in the world. If we're realistic about that, we'll be able to face the challenges and the inevitable conflict that will come because of the sinful nature in the child. Mm-hmm. Also, we live in a world that's sinful, and, and the culture and the, the spiritual aspect, the spiritual principalities and powers that we have to contend with, if we're aware of those things, it will really help us in terms of prayer, in terms of facing conflict will be able to
1: be realistic about that and deal very with very few things. parenting books have well. uh you no know, treatments of uh, spiritual warfare for example right. and yet you know when you look at the garden that's the first thing that happens Satan mm. trying to disrupt the Marriage relationship, and then the the consequences of the fall uh, affecting you know us in 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 our marriages, in our in our families as well. And so, in our book, we have a whole chapter on dealing with conflict because we find that that uh, we all can grow in that area. And and in many ways, uh, how we deal with conflict and and being able to resolve conflict is one of the most uh, difficult and yet important uh, things that 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 we're called to do as parents. That's right.
0: You. You mentioned um, previously that we can't subcontract our, our roles out, um, and it prompts for me sort of a, a foray into the, the old cliche about quality time versus quantity time as parents, um, the assumption that uh, if you're not able to spend a lot of time with your kids, you can make up for it with this what they call quality time, whether it's special events or that sort of thing. Um, I tend to think it's a false dichotomy. Um, I, th- I think both are important, but I think sometimes, well, I don't want to answer. Why don't you speak to, sure. um, is it really, uh, you know, can we distinguish these and what's the problem with the cliche of quality time versus quantity maybe time? Maybe,
1: uh, start out by affirming what I said a minute ago about the second R being relationship, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the proper context. And then right. maybe or you can develop a little further in terms of that tension be- between quality and quantity time. I think, right. uh, Certainly for me, uh, as a man I, I find it it's it's easy sometimes to compartmentalize, hmm. to to assign a slot to parenting in my life and, and then to kinda like check that off of my to do list and move on to the other things that, that I'm passionate about. My my work, hobbies, you know, other things. Uh problem is that I've found it took me Twenty years to, to to fully figure that out. I'm still working on it. <laughs> is that parenting is a twenty four seven proposition? It 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 it's a relationship to be nurtured, not merely a task that's to be right. accomplished. Right. So that's
2: right. And what Jared was alluding to was yeah. the conventional wisdom that we should spend quality time with our ch- children, not merely, uh, or quality time, not merely quantity time. So. In practice, we think that this distinction doesn't necessarily prove to bear fruit, though, hmm. because, yeah, of course, spending time with your child, individual time, at, at some point is good, but it's too rigid to say just quality time versus quantity time. Right. So, sure, it's good to start to take your child out to breakfast once a week or to have a monthly game night or whatever, um, but we feel like um, it's important to look at your relationship overall and to develop that uh, Time with them in, in relationship with them in general.
1: You know, I've, I've learned a lot from from you, Margaret, in this regard. I remember as our oldest children uh, entered the teenage years, you would spend countless hours with them, uh, often, you know, as always uh, falling asleep uh, late at <laughs> night, uh, talking about struggles they were facing because you deeply cared and, yeah. uh, you know, or identity issues, uh, just talking. And when they wanted a new social media account or later a smartphone or watch a movie with their friends, Uh, you would ask them probing questions to help them realize, is that really a good idea? Does that maybe compromise my faith? Um, And eventually I caught on and got a little better at it too. I think what, what you and I both found is it's very important for us as parents to be united in this area. And so definitely for parents listening, I would encourage you to, 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 to spend the time that you need to to talk with your spouse, to yeah. really develop a coherent and a, a common uh, approach to, you know, what are your values in in, in watching movies and in, in social media use technology? That's a huge issue in parenting and one that you might not find in some of the older parenting books, but that Certainly in our day and age, you couldn't write a book on so parenting without addressing right. uh, you know, social media and technology. Yeah.
2: And we even try now to remain closely in touch with our children, mm-hmm. uh, even while they're in college, in grad school, as they're regularly making decisions based on values and pri- priorities, and they need input still. Uh, when I went to college, I kind of was you know, sent off and separate from my parents. But I believe that it's been very significant for us to be involved in our children's lives at that stage. I would like to, you know, I think we would like to encourage parents to be available. No one yeah. cares for your children like you do. Don't give up on your relational responsible role in parenting too early. That's
0: good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a well-taken caution for those who uh, may be tempted to think that they can make up for, um, you know, the accumulation of connections over time with, you know, big special event, big splash or what have you. Um, those are great when you can get them, but as an encouragement to those of you who struggle perhaps with being creative on the you know you know throwing the great big birthday party <laughs> yes. or the regular date night with your daughter or whatever it is, um, don't underestimate the value and the investment that um, just regular faithful connection relationships in the mundane moments every single day. W- you know how that contributes. Um, you know I think of Don Whitney at, at Southern Seminary uh, talking about his daughter when she graduated. I think high school it was. Perhaps college, Mm -hmm. um, referring to the uh, uh, family worship times, which in his mind, you know, had been, man, we're just struggling through this, you know, your whole life. And she gave this great testimony that was so meaningful to him that he had no idea that Mm -hmm. it had such an impact on her. It was the most significant thing that she could think of. um, These sort of messy moments at the end of every day, just trying to be faithful to the Lord, spend thirty minutes together as a family singing and reading the word,
1: running, running errands with. My that's right son on on a Saturday morning, you know it's priceless because there's no pressure there's no homework to be yeah <laughs> that's, that's due, and so you can just talk about whatever's on his mind and he sees you just in an everyday context in in our book we we're really huge on on the whole notion of presence in parenting mm-hmm. that might be another unique facet of our book, and uh you know we We say that presence is the essence of parenting, and we we ground that theologically even in in God being present with his people. And and just as God is present with us always through the Holy Spirit, uh, presence is key in parenting as well. Uh, And again, as we said, presence goes beyond those segmented, scheduled, quality time events. It involves cultivating a vibrant and caring ongoing relationship with each of our children. That's
0: good. Okay, let's take a coffee break and hear a message from our hosts at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Ministry degree program is your next step in training for local ministry. The Doctor of Ministry program at Midwestern Seminary is designed to equip and train leaders with a commitment to the local church. With multiple emphases available, including counseling, church revitalization, expository preaching, leadership, and missions, among others, your program provides the equipping you need in practical theology for direct church work and ministry leadership. And because all of our doctoral programs are modular, you don't have to leave your current ministry to pursue your degree. For more information, visit mbts.edu today. That's mbts.edu. All right, we're back. We're talking with Doctors Andreas and Margaret Kostenberger about their new book, Equipping for Life: A Guide for New, Aspiring, and Struggling all right. We talked about sort of the cliche quantity versus quality time. Uh, let's talk about something that's you know, somewhat of a new tension, perhaps as part of what we might call the gospel-centered movement or, mm-hmm. uh, or just the new generation of parents trying to think through this. I think every generation of parents is, has you know, struggled with this. But it seems a pronounced thing as people think through gospel centrality, gospel-centered parenting. What does gospel-centered discipline look like to give your children grace, uh, I think, for, particularly for young parents, new parents, uh, but as you're trying to theologically ground your parenting, um, does this just mean, you, you know, always mm-hmm. grace? What is discipline? How does right. that fit right. in right. with uh, with the gospel? Yeah. So what does gospel-centered discipline look like?
1: Well, Jared, you're exactly right. Uh, certainly, you know, the times that we've uh, spoken on parenting or, or talked to people about it, discipline almost invariably yeah. rises to the top or, or very close to the top, uh, just because it is a very, very important issue. Now, as I've uh, searched the scriptures and in, 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 you know, reflecting on, on, on discipline biblically for the book, uh, I was increasingly struck by how, how central the role of the father is in discipline. I think of the passage in, in Hebrews 12 where, where the author uh, makes this analogy between earthly fathers who disciplined their children for a while as it seemed best to them. Uh, and then says, but, but God, you know, always disciplines us for our good. Uh, or think of Ephesians 6 where it talks about fathers, uh, don't exasperate your children, don't discourage them, but, but, but um, rather uh, nurture them in, in, the, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So, so uh, in many ways, uh, fathers ought to take the lead. When it comes to disciplining their children, doesn't mean that mothers won't be involved. But talk to most women; they would love <laughs> yeah. for their fathers to take a lead in discipline, yeah. isn't that their husbands? Right? right. Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At the same time, as you acknowledge in other uh, contexts, that the mother is really the hub of the home life in a yes. sense because she's the one who's there. She's based yes. and present in the home with a husband, maybe at work or you know ministry or whatever so she's substantially involved in the everyday nurture and instruction and discipline of the children so there needs to be a coordinated effort and bringing up the children in the fear and admonition of the Lord kinda of takes place when both parents the mother and the father together set up a plan Absolutely. under the leadership of the father obviously uh, for bringing up their children in a biblical manner
1: you know, in the book, I give the example of a colleague of mine. Uh, you know, doing that so well, and I remember going out for lunch with him, and as we're in his in his car driving to the restaurant, he would quickly check in with his wife at home. He mm. would say, "Hey, how's it going?" Yeah, uh, so okay. Yeah, you know, any any issues you're dealing with right now? You know, as opposed to basically just leaving in the morning and then right. coming back, you know, after work. Right, and, 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 mm. and that really spoke to volumes to me about about the partnership, Maria, that you're talking right. about between. Yeah, no, so the, the wife is the never,
2: the mother's never left alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though she is at home, maybe you could say alone without her husband there, right. his authority main, is maintained over the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to discipline, we have uh, seven principles that are mm-hmm. based in something that Andreas has already written in an earlier book, okay. God, Marriage, and Family, where he discusses marriage and family um, in general, quite thoroughly, biblically, topically, when we talk about uh, discipline, These are the seven principles. One, be consistent and predictable. So don't be erratic or random. Express your expectations and your consequences for not meeting your expectations for your children and follow through in consistent ways. So That's the first thing. The second thing is to be age appropriate in your discipline. Obviously discipline is going to be different for a two-year-old than it is for a 16-year-old and then different in between these ages. Mm -hmm. So the development of the child changes frequently especially when they're young. So we're constantly adapting these kind of things, your expectations and what meaningful consequences may be to help keep our children accountable and grow. The third thing is to be fair and just. So obviously, discipline or a consequence that's given out should be in relation to the issue or the learning that's undergoing in the children's life. So it should be appropriate response to what the child has done wrong, Or what he needs instruction in, he or
1: she. And we can certainly count on our children uh, to hold us accountable in that area. (laughs) I mean it's not fair, right? Yes,
2: exactly. We've definitely heard that before. So we (laughs) definitely are going to be fair with our children's accountability. But we also want to be child-specific. We know every child is created by God with a different personality, has different sensitivities, different giftedness. We want to help them to grow in those areas. And as we help them grow in those areas, um, developing discipline and removing privileges as consequences for one child may be more effective in one child's life than in another. You know, so for those of us with
1: multiple children, uh, I think uh, I never it never ceases to amaze me how different they are. Right. You know, and when it comes to discipline, I mean, one one child you might just look at them when they've done something <laughs> wrong; and they burst out crying, exactly. right? right? And yes. another child, you know, they're a little harder to get through to, and, and right. you need a little more forceful.
2: Or if you just don't allow a child to read for another child, that's 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 a privilege to (laughs) to, to not have to read or whatever something along those lines but we Mm. also want to administer discipline in love rather than anger that may be obvious but it's difficult Mm. the goal is to not be punitive Mm. or to be volatile in addressing a disciplinary issue but do it in love and along with that number six is to be future oriented and forward-looking we want to promote growth and maturity and not make a child feel incapable of growing because we're punishing them for what they're doing that's not the goal of discipline mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and finally we want to exercise discipline in the context of the relationship as we talked relationship is important in parenting so as a result of our disciplining our child we want a relationship to grow deeper and to move in a more positive direction
0: good mm-hmm. all right let's close with this just as an encouragement i think we probably have parents who are listening uh, who have um, either teenage children or even children who've left the home, maybe even adult children, who are far from God. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's every, every parent's, um, uh, just one of their top anxieties. You know, you you, you pray for your kids. You, uh, you know, you try to raise them in, in the training of the Lord. Um, but the experience of prodigal children is so common and so widespread and mm-hmm. um, in, in many ways defies... Formulaic approaches to ensuring this doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just from my time, you know, pastoring, I've seen parents who, at least on paper, right, did everything right. They do all the Mm -hmm. things that you would expect them to do. And, you know, they still have kids who either, uh, at least for a time, walk away from the faith or seem to. And I've seen parents who, I mean, they just seem to be making every mistake in the book or they're not even believers at all who have kids who, you know, the Lord breaks through. So Mm -hmm. um, for parents listening who you know, are worried about their kids right now, grief, uh, you know, they're grieving over a prodigal child, perhaps, or a wayward child, what kind of encouragement would you offer them? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, let me just say, first of all, that, you know, we're not counselors. uh, Primarily, I think we're primarily uh, people who love the scriptures, who care about what God, uh, you know, says in his word about a given issue, including parenting. And so, Uh, As parents, ourselves, though, you know, we wanted to share some of the things that we learned, both from our experience and also in light of of God's Word in in our book, Equipping for Life. Uh, So I think for those who are listening who have uh, rebellious children, and of course circumstances will vary as well, uh, we'd encourage them that uh, if if, if needed to to consider getting some some help from other people. Sometimes we don't have to go through that alone That's right. you know uh, as part of the community of god i think we can we can bear those burdens together we can pray for each other and we can maybe share experiences like we're doing right now so on that level i would say uh, it's certainly good to be uh, mm-hmm. to remain connected right. with our child okay. to not allow lines of communication to be ruptured completely you mm-hmm. know that would be that would be one thing. And I've, again, I've seen my wife being really excellent at that, even when, when things are maybe a little more difficult to just keep talking, keep interacting um, and, and and just to be patient and to pray that God will accomplish his work in his time, uh, you know, his way uh, in the life of our children. You know, it's always hard to wait and to pray and to trust God rather than to take things into your own hands, especially right. when yes. it it. It's in the lives of our own children, but something, uh, sometimes I think that's the best thing we can do.
0: Yeah, I, I remember reading uh, Paul Miller's praying life, where he talked about his daughter, who I think is uh, autistic, uh-huh. but she would pace all night up and down the floor, mm-hmm. and um, he, you know, he 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 was sharing this somewhat as a confession that, um, you know, he knew what the solution was, which was to yell at her to stop pacing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just had varying degrees of effect. And he said, you know, it struck me that my first instinct wasn't to go to the Lord and and ask the Lord to calm her heart and to calm his heart in response Mm -hmm. to it. Um, You know, prayer isn't this last resort. But when you just think of all of the complexities of of sin and, uh, you know, the relationship dynamics, that we don't more impulsively or in, uh, instinctively lean on the supernaturality right. uh, of of the lord in these situations
2: um yeah that's really yeah. good so the other thing too is though that there may be um actual parenting problems that have sure you know caused the mm-hmm. the, the difficulties in in the relationship with the child or the fact that the child has rejected the lord and it, if that's the case it's probably good to reflect on it a little bit to pray to think about it Keep, like Andreas was saying, close ties with your child. And and if appropriate, mm. um, it is appropriate, but when appropriate, I- acknowledge failure yeah. on your part. Mm. Uh, any mistakes or sin that you've engaged in in your parenting toward your child, confessing this before God and your prodigal child could really be an initial step in the healing process and the, you know, the. The the fact that they might even turn around.
1: Oh, oh that could be huge. And and I think to respect your child, you know, their choices that right. that you don't want to live your life like through them. You know, even if they make the wrong decision, they have the right to that's make right. the wrong decision. They'll have to pay the exactly. consequences. Mm-hmm. But 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 I think sometimes that's what children are craving most. I think that's what I craved when I was that age that my parents respected. You know my right to make my own decisions, right. even if <laughs> yes. if uh, they were the wrong decisions, just to, to make that point that I'm my own person. And once they sense we have come to respect that, I think then they would be open to deal with that us helps. more as partners. I think so. Mm, that's mm-hmm.
0: good. Yeah, immature or mature or young, old, um, your child is a human being made in the image of God. <laughs> that's right. a, That's a very good thing to remember. That's excellent. All right, we've been visiting with the authors of the new book, Equipping for Life, A Guide for New, Aspiring, and Struggling Parents. Equipping for Life is written by Andreas and Margaret Kostenberger. I do hope that you'll pick it up, uh, sold wherever you can find good Christian books. Uh, Thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Jared.
0: And thank you, uh, dear listener, for listening. As always, if you like the program, please share it with your friends. Review us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.